But I will tell you this too. My kids came home and they were like last week, right after iOS four fourteen came out, and they were like, uh, "Hold on, I gotta go." My daughter was like, "She's ten. She's like, I gotta go to my room real quick. I, I need to update iOS fourteen. I need to see all the new things." And I was like, gave myself a little slow clap because I was like, "I've raised a little techie, and all my ten year old wanted to do was, you know, explore the features of iOS 14. You're listening to the 29 Steps Podcast. I'm Jason Ayton, and I'm here with my co-host, Jess Pingree. Nice. That's funny because our daughters both have iPhone SEs, and I think one of them, you know, the message pops up that says, you should update your software, and she comes and she says, Dad, should I do this? And I said, sure. And then after afterwards, she's like, Dad, what happened to my phone? Why is what is all this weird stuff happening to my phone now? Because it's not that different, but it's different. We should talk about it in a in a minute, because um, I think there are some cool cool features. But I do have one follow up to start with here, and that is that I feel like we shouldn't spend every episode talking about the Apple Watch, but um, I'll be doing more of a review later. But I do have. Actually, I have two of the Series Six Apple Watches. I have a, of course. <laughs> I have I have an aluminum blue, which is it. It actually looks really good. Those of you who are listening can't see it, but the the blue is. It, I love it's that really navy. Good. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. been trying to convince. Um, most of our listeners probably don't know that I'm engaged. Um, they might I might have said fiance before, but I want him to get like a wedding band that color, like a tungsten navy like that it's so pretty i love it that'd be that'd be interesting but the the thing that it gave me some hope is i'm is i'm hopeful that this means that we might see a version of the iphone 12 in this color because it really it's hard it's hard to do it justice in the photos but it is really it is really sharp now they didn't send me one of those solo loops i haven't gotten to try those things out yet but uh i may have to do that at some point if i can get into an apple store the the apple store near us does not have any of them right now because apparently they're all sold out but even still it's it's very very cool but i've played around with the um blood oxygen sensor it's it's pretty cool um it only told me i was dying once and then it and then it told me what is it it says like unable to measure or something along those lines a couple times because you have to do the whole thing for 15 seconds it's not like the ecg where if you start it and it lasts 30 seconds and if you start it it'll give you a measurement and then if for some reason you take your finger off it just stops but it doesn't void the whole thing right it's been measuring all along this takes the whole 15 seconds but the feature that i i really like about it and it's actually a feature of watch os 7 and you can do it on a Series 4, Series 5, or Series 6, and I think this the SE, the new version, is the sleep tracking. And I know that you don't want anyone to tell you how poorly <laughs> you sleep, but I act, I did it last night. And there's actually a couple different pieces of this. There's the sleep tracking, then there's also sleep mode, and then there's also wind down. And I wrote about wind down actually a couple months ago. And, and it's actually, and it's, so there's, it's more than just the watch. And it was very fascinating to me because when you set up 
the whole thing, it'll ask you what time do you want to go to sleep and what time do you want to get up? And it gives you a target of like eight hours and I don't sleep for eight hours. I sleep for between seven and seven and a half. So I, I said, I want to go to sleep at nine 30 and get up at five, which is generally my routine. So at quarter to nine, 45 minutes before that, your phone actually goes into wind down mode. So the screen gets dark, all your notifications turn off, your phone calls don't come through and it suggests some things that you should do. And then at the time where you're supposed to get in bed, right? It notifies you. It lets you know what time your alarm is set based on what time you said you wanted to get up. But when you get into bed, then your watch goes into sleep mode. So it, so the series six has the always on display. So you can always see what's on the display, except for when you're in sleep mode, excuse me, the screen goes black so that it doesn't keep you awake how's anymore. It, how does it know you're in bed? It just, same way it knows that you stood up or that you're walking. It's got the little accelerometer and stuff inside there that based on your body movement and the way that you're oriented, it knows that you've gotten into bed. And then it, it actually told, tells you, here's when you got into bed and it was pretty accurate. And here's when you went to sleep, which is crazy. It could tell the difference between me getting in bed and, and when I actually fell asleep and then here's when you actually woke up. Right, because so, your, your heart rate slow, uh, slows down and then you get into deep sleep. And uh, Yeah, so it tracks your heart rate while you're sleeping and it takes occasional measurements of your pulse oxygen as well, which is pretty cool. And it lets you know what your average is and that kind of stuff. And again, the, the pulse oxygen thing, Apple is pretty clear to make sure that they don't describe it as a, as a medical thing at this point, which is good because there are some times when... I feel like there's a plus or minus. Maybe that plus or minus is like three. So if it says 95, you're probably somewhere between 95 and 98. If, right. You know what I mean? Because anything below 95 is normally, you start to feel short of breath pretty quick. Right. You would be able, 95. you should be able to tell. <laughs> it's it's like, to me, it's more of a comfort factor. Like using my pulse ox, I can say, even if it says 95, but I feel fine. I know I'm okay. There was one time I put it on, I said 92, and I was like, well, I'm not short of breath, you know, so it's probably at least 95, so, I don't know, I don't know. It's more like something that's just fun for me to play with and helps with my anxiety, it's more of that kind of feature. But I I had this thought the other day, I'm like, what if we find out, because it, like, sends these lasers through a wrist all the time, like, what if we find out, like, get a commercial someday for a class action lawsuit, and, like, if you've been wearing an Apple Watch for this many years, you may be entitled to significant compensation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing that Apple has done at least enough research on it that they're gonna head that possibility off, because it's really just shining light into, into... side your wrist and then measuring right. the reflectivity of it because the different wavelengths of light you know the oxygen and blood cells and such and such absorb light at different rates and so whatever gets through they can do that math and the algorithm tells you how much how much oxygen is in yeah your blood, so. i just remember reading an article years ago and i don't remember the source it was when apple watch was new it was like this is why your apple watch might make you feel weird and i so i didn't wear mine for a few days and i'm like i'm just as weird so, <laughs> <laughs> so i i will say i do think that the um going from the series four to the series six it doesn't look any different right okay. there's no except for that 
both of the models that I have right now are the cellular version, right? So both of these models are cellular, so they do have the little red mark on the dial. And one of them is stainless steel, which is, it's a shiny. So I had the brushed aluminum series four. So that stood out to me and I actually didn't like it at all until I realized that the iPhone 11 Pro is also stainless steel. Yeah, I saw shiny. your tweet. So I, I like, saw oh, your tweet about yeah. how the color was so different. And I looked at it and I'm like, wow. He yeah, really it cares. bothered me at first. And then I justified <laughs> it by, oh, no, it matches my phone. So the funniest part of it is I ended up taking the case off of my phone because oh, wow. now I feel like it has a purpose. But the blue is really is really nice. This it's it's the brushed aluminum and it's it's sharp. I don't I don't think I I I I'm not the kind of person that wants people to notice my watch that much. So I don't I don't know how I'd feel about it. But honestly, the blue with the red on the dial is is really kind of. I noticed your red dial is only a circle of a red dial outline, and my red dial is fully red. So and you have the cellular. I, right? I, I I'm not using the cellular, but it is. But cellular it is the cellular version. Yeah, so that changed with the redesign on the model on the on. Yeah, I started like I six. looked at yours, the pictures you sent me, and I started picking at my dial. Like, am I supposed to peel this off? No, <laughs> no, and I think I could be wrong, but I believe that the series three that that's actually a mechanical part. It's a it's an actual dial, whereas I'm I think somebody who listened to this can tell me if I'm wrong. That in the four, five, and six, the digital crown is not an actual movable part. It just mm. uses haptic touch. So when you press okay. on it, you're not putting. It's different. You're not pressing on it. You're. It's you're just not like actually a, doing yeah. it. It's reacting to stuff. And and the same thing when you turn it, it doesn't. You know. So they've changed some things. Gets high tech. I was wondering I why say, it was red at first because this is my first one that's cellular capable. I'm like. I don't know if I was supposed to do something to it or not. <laughs> no. So I do you think tried. you'll set up the cellular? Um, I have. I guess only if I wanted to leave my phone at home, and I'm not going to leave my phone at home. So. But if you went, if you were working out and you had it in your gym bag in a locker room, not that we go to gyms or anything right now, but if that was the case, you could still stream Apple Music and podcasts and stuff. Yeah, but I'm pretty lazy. Okay. So, so that's not going to happen. There you go. I might, I might, if you know, I get, I, I, I've not always been lazy. If uh, listeners may know that I was like an NCAA cross country athlete and I was like really, really good at running. So sometimes every, you know, every few months I'll start, I'll like, you know, get back into it. Like, but I go at it like Rocky and then I exhaust myself and then I take a break again. But, um, I'm a, I like the Navy. I'm a Rose Gold, gold girl. Uh, but that being on my phone, I always, since I'm clumsy, I always put a case on it, so it doesn't really matter, but for my watch, I did go rose gold with, like, the pale, um, the pale pink slash neutral band, and I like mm. that a lot, too. Yeah. And so, as wh- in your show notes, you did say, um, would my son take the rose gold watch? And he said, of course I would wear it. I would just be so happy someone gave me one. <laughs> That, that's what you say when you don't have any choices. Of course, I'll take the thing you're willing to give me so I don't have to pay for it. Of course. Yeah. So there you go. And, and you know, if he's if he's the kid who has a uh, an Apple Watch and his friends don't, then there you go. My so. daughter has one. My son doesn't, which he's two years old or whatever. All right. So that was that was that was the follow up section. We have a lot of, of fun things to talk about, too, today. Um so we should just dive into some of the stuff. I I want to. I think we should tackle 
some of these other gadget things first that and lead into sort of the product because because kind of the the theme that i've been sensing over the last couple of days is this balance between as we're working remotely how technology can help us to be productive but that sometimes the pursuit of productivity leads to burnout like that's just reality and so are there also ways that technology can help us with that and i wrote an article about some interesting features that Microsoft added to Microsoft Teams to do just that. So I, I think we should finish with that because I think let's talk about the productivity stuff and then we can talk about the side effects and why that why there are some bad side effects to working from home and how we can combat that. But you were asking about some of the new devices that have like multiple screens and, and specifically we're talking about the Microsoft Surface Duo and the Samsung galaxy z See, fold yeah. 2 wait hold on because... hold on sorry i'm gonna are we gonna do the intro i'll just add one of them in okay we're good sorry that's all right edit okay start over from what you were saying <laughs> so you were asking me if i had any thoughts about the these dual screen or these foldable screen devices and so i'm curious first what your impression in general are of, of specifically we're talking about the microsoft surface duo and the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 2, because Samsung is really good at naming things. <laughs> right. They, I mean, just like uh, just like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so I guess I'd ask you first. What do you, do you have any initial thoughts about either of those yeah. two things? Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me because I ended up looking at them a little bit. One, because I saw a commercial um, and I was like, okay, that looks kind of neat. And then, it, but as I was watching the commercial, I was like, why is this a phone too? You know, it doesn't seem like it should actually be a phone. It seems like it should be more of a, like a, a productivity thing that I wouldn't use that as a phone. I might use it if I was, you know, working remotely when I say remotely, like at the airport or at a restaurant or a coffee shop or something. Um, and, and you're talking it, about the Surface Duo. Yeah, right, the right Surface Duo. Okay. And then I was yeah. reading some of the reviews. Um, and I like that it looks like a book folded up. I wondered, it made me wonder what the screen looked like for something like a Kindle app because I'm a Kindle reader. But I, I got the Kindle because I like the paperless screen and I know it wouldn't give me that. So I don't really know how that would be beneficial um doesn't do anything your phone can't do so and it doesn't have a good camera so i was like i'm not really sure but um and but it has a cool user experience i like the folding thing you can have two apps open at once it's almost like looking at a dual monitor um so i feel like it's trying to be a jack of all trades but a master of none because it wants to do all this stuff but it's also really expensive, and an, and to boot, I'm an iOS gal, so it's like having to like having to like for like work on a completely different you know operating system rather than just one. So I'm not I'm not sold, especially given the price point of like what was it, twelve thirteen hundred. I think it's like fourteen hundred bucks for okay. the starting price for this. They were both yeah, expensive, and, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They are, and I think. And we should talk about the the Galaxy Fold as well, although they are very different things. I have not actually used either of them at this point. Um, if Microsoft wants to send one, that's great. Um, I'd be happy to review the 
the duo, but I haven't, although I have paid very close attention to, to the reviews and the general sense that I've gotten is that Microsoft, well, not just the sense, Microsoft is positioning in it absolutely as a productivity tool. And while it's technically a phone, I think even Microsoft would agree that it's probably not going to, well, I don't know if they would agree, but I think that inside their hearts, they would admit that it's not going to replace your phone because as a phone, it's pretty bad. Because if you think about all of the things people care about in a phone, really the two are probably screen size. So it has two screens, so that's great. But it still has to be portable, right? Because it's got to fit in your pocket. And, and while the design is pretty amazing, it's very thin, it's still really wide. So that's not a great experience. And then the second thing you already mentioned is the camera. And on this particular device, the camera is just garbage. It's it's just bad. It's fine for um, maybe webcam, using it as a webcam for FaceTime, not FaceTime, but, you know, Zoom meetings or whatever. And the only reason that it's acceptable for that is that all of our laptops have terrible webcams on them. So you can't get worse than that. <laughs> so it kind of lives in this weird space of what is this thing? Right. Why does it exist? Who's going to use it? Because it, and because it's trying to create something that doesn't exist before, it doesn't really do any of those things super well. Right, right. like I said, she's trying to do all things but not be really great at anything, which I think the flagship of any great product is it does one thing really, really well that no other product can do. And this product is like failing on that on all fronts right now. And really the only thing it does better than anything else is it does do multiple multiple apps at the same time. So multitasking, it does do that better. But the reason it does that better is almost because you're holding two devices that are joined together by a hinge. So you can put one app on this side, one app on this side. You can do that on an iPad, obviously. You can do it on the the Galaxy Fold. Uh, I'm doing it on my computer right now with the split screen. Well, right. (laughs) Obviously, you can do it on your computer. You can do it. You know, I have the, um, I do have the Samsung Galaxy note 20 ultra 5g another fantastic name samsung thank you for making me say that out loud multiple times um and you can do multiple you know apps at the same time on this device as well but obviously on a phone screen it's a pretty terrible like who's going to watch youtube and then have twitter at the bottom that right. just doesn't make sense on a phone if you're going to do that use your computer or something so it does do that better but the question is does it do it better than an actual tablet or an actual laptop. Why why would you need this device? Exactly. Yeah. And And what's interesting is, I don't know about you. I had this conversation with someone that I, that I just interviewed actually for an episode of this podcast that I don't want to give too much away because we'll air his episode. But the conversation we were having is I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. I have a MacBook pro and I also have an iMac. So that's four different devices the question you could say is, do you need four different devices? Well, I certainly wouldn't give up my iPhone, but then I'd still need something else. I need a computer, right? And so, I, but an iPad and an iMac are very different computing devices. And I don't use my iPad the same way I use my iMac. And I don't use my iPad the same way I use my phone. And I don't use my MacBook Pro the same way I use either of them. So you you couldn't sell me, as much as I would love it if my iPad could be my only device, to be honest with you. I'd still have a phone. We'll set right. that aside for a second. But as much as I'd love it to, I just use it in different ways based on the way it's designed. You're not going to convince me that it's 
because I have the ability to have multiple devices, you're not going to convince me that it's the only thing I should carry in, in adding multiple window support. It doesn't change that. Yeah, right? adding, it's just, dude, adding, having two different operating systems does not appeal to me at all. I yeah. Think I and would, that's the thing. I would that's say the thing is that yeah. the surface runs, doesn't even run windows. It runs Android. <laughs> right. And I, and I agree with you. I have several Android devices sitting here and, Android's not my thing. I'd much rather be using iOS. So, right, and I would like I, I would not ever give that up for a phone. You mentioned like putting it in your pocket. Well, as being a girl that doesn't have big pockets, like I can't. I have like two pairs of shorts. I can fit my iPhone 10 into the pocket. And it's actually part of the reason why I like the shorts. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> but I'm usually putting it in my purse because I don't have a big you know back pocket to put it in. It like you know I'm not uh I'm fairly small so it's like it just like sticks out of the back of my pocket so I don't care about the size as much because I carry a big a big purse so but I still could not convince me that that would also be my phone I felt like in the commercial they just kind of threw that in there at the end like someone's answering the phone on it I'm like whoa it does that too okay but why (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I don't I mean, I'll be honest, I hate talking on the telephone. I hate phone calls. I, I I almost never will answer the phone unless it's from someone who I know and was expecting. So that's my wife, my kids, or my parents or whatever. But, Same. <laughs> but, yeah, I – so it doesn't really matter to me the form factor as a phone because even then I'm usually answering it with my AirPods or something like that. But it's not – I can't imagine it's going to be a great – phone experience period because the other things that i think of a phone for are messaging taking photos all those things as a as a device like that it just feels it feels as though you would be that's not the best form factor for that and it's not the best overall experience interestingly the the galaxy fold is a is a completely different I think it's a completely different thing. It's a foldable screen. It doesn't really, ha- it actually has two screens. One of them is on the outside of the device, so you could still use it that way. And I don't really know what I think about the Galaxy Fold either, other than, it, I mean, it's cool that the Samsung now on the, I guess, third t- try has figured out how to make a foldable screen that doesn't just either break yeah, or like, get stuck. Yeah, it, it was like the first uh, the first one was pulled from the market early because the screen was too fragile. Yeah, they really didn't even introduce it. I mean, they introduced it, but it went out to reviewers and basically never went on sale. That's um, not one of the ones. Is it similar to one of the ones you couldn't take on a plane because it was going to blow up or something? <laughs> uh, I don't I don't remember. That well, was that a, was... It was, was like the ga- Galaxy. It was a Galaxy S nine yeah. or S seven. Yeah, it was the S seven. <laughs> yeah, that was the S seven was the one that kept blowing up in people's pockets. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but and this is also re- too expensive. It's like two grand for this machine that you can't make your only device. Right, and I guess you could make the the Samsung Z Fold two a your own device, but Again, if you go back to what really do we care about, it's it's a big honking piece of glass and metal, right? And it's not, again, it's not a great phone experience. It's probably a better tablet experience. But honestly, Android is is not a good tablet experience, period. It's just, it's it's not even a fair comparison when you look at iOS versus Android on a tablet. Whatever you think about Android on a phone, 
fine. If you're an Android person, we would love to have you keep listening. I'll stop saying bad things on your phone. And I have, as I've said, I review a lot of Android phones. But as a tablet, it's it's just bad. It's not a great tablet. So once you take a phone and you try to turn it into a tablet, you go from Android's great as a phone operating system, and now it's terrible as a as a tablet. It does that make right. sense? Right, and like it makes me think too. Will we ever? I mean, I feel like these products are trying to like steer you towards having one, maybe two devices. And are we ever really going to be there based on all the things that we need to use it for? Unless it's like poof, a screen in front of you, like you're on the Matrix or some maybe more relevant uh, like later movie where you're moving things around with your hands because it's projected in front of you. That's a little bit different, you know, or if you're just like typing and you're seeing it on, you know, right in front of you on a screen. I don't think we're ever going to have just one device. I mean, right now I have my watch, my phone, and my computer. I don't think I could handle anything more than that. And if I got one of these devices, I would not get rid of one of my other devices. So that would bring me up to four rather than three. Yeah. And on a different iOS. (laughs) Right, different operating (laughs) system. Yeah. Yeah, operating system, not iOS as an app. Right, right. (laughs) So I could... could, I can see the argument, especially if you're an Android user, going from, let's say, any Android device that you might be using, a Pixel or an LG OnePlus, you know, a OnePlus or a Samsung device, to the Z Fold 2, if you felt like it would help you. But, but interestingly enough, right now, many of the benefits that you might get from that don't even exist because people aren't going out to do things with the need to take something with them where they could handle almost any task. Not right, right now they're not. <laughs> right. And I think about, okay, conceivably if, you know, I, I've got on an airplane last month and I had my phone and my iPad in my laptop and it was nice that I could just pull out my iPad and I could watch a movie or I could get a little bit of work done or whatever. And if I had my phone could unfold to do that, would that be nice? Maybe. But right now, sitting at home, I have access to all the screens I could possibly want, and most of them are better than what you would get on a a, a folding device. Right. So yeah. it's not that compelling at the moment. That being yeah, true. That being said, if you do travel a lot, it could be something interesting to add to your to add. To, I, I would play with either of them all day, probably if given the chance, and just like test them out, test the UX and everything. But I don't as as it is as have not having used it. I just don't see it something that add to my arsenal or my giant purse. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you're ever going to convince me that carrying something that's twice as thick as this in my pocket, which is my iPhone, is go- is a good good deal. I, I don't. Yeah. Mine, mine's thicker, but that's because I use a case and you don't. But this is like <laughs> you can see mine. That's a wraparound case, pretty thin. For Still, nothing. yeah. Imagine if it was twice that size, <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of becomes awkward. So I think that what's interesting about this conversation is that a lot of us, especially if you are sort of a tech gadget nerd like the two of us and potentially people who are listening, there is sort of this, I don't know if it's a panacea or this nirvana at least conceptually where we have this one device that rules them all, right? Not to make up lord of the rings analogy but this idea that right you could have one and and i'll be honest the closest that comes to that for me 
is probably the iPad Pro that I have because it's capable of handling almost anything I would want to do on it. And yet it's also small and portable and that's great. Fantastic. But I do think that there's a risk that the more that we chase after this productivity, how do we, it almost becomes a pursuit in and of itself, right? Like you spend more time trying to figure out how to be more productive right. and less time actually being productive. Right. You, so you, you waste time like looking at all the toys. Like I was, um, it's just like I was doing yesterday. I was like, okay, maybe I want a new computer. So I'm looking at a bunch of different computers. And so I start looking at Surface Pros and I'm like, I just really don't know if I can make that switch from Surface Pro to a MacBook. I feel really dedicated, but then I'm like, well, my brain washed only into the MacBook. <laughs> yes, but that's fine. Stay. <laughs> but there was, there was a good deal for a MacBook Pro, and I was like, well, maybe I could get behind a new MacBook Air because Jason was talking about how it would be so much stronger than my, my current one, but, like, I have had a Pro before, and that's so much stronger. And I, ha- I had a... But I will say this. So we have a Surface Pro 7 here in our house, of course, because we have one of everything, apparently. <laughs> but it's coming in handy right now. I've I've used it to review. I've used it as much as I can bring myself to use it so I can feel like I have a really good sense of the experience. So I actually went a whole week, which doesn't seem like a long time, but for a Mac user like me, it was a very long time, where I only used that, my Surface Pro, Pro 7. I didn't use any of my Macs. And then I also used an Android phone at the same time. It was a Google Pixel 3a, I think, at the time. Because I kind of wanted to get an understanding of, you know, if, if Apple didn't exist, what would my experience be like? And it was okay. It was a perfectly capable device. In fact, I've written favorably about it as a result because it does some things that my iPad doesn't. It's a better right desktop computer because it actually runs windows it doesn't run something that's not quite windows whereas the ipad runs ios which is not quite mac os right now it comes in handy because our first grader the school district that our kids attend they don't give first graders chromebooks they give everybody else chromebooks which is a whole other story don't buy a chromebook um there's almost no reason to buy a chromebook i'll just put that out there but for the first graders they give them ipads and they give them old ipads in my sense was if we, if the school gives this kid an iPad, we're going to break it. So if we're going to have to pay for an iPad, we're just going to buy an iPad. So we actually bought an iPad air, not the ones that were just announced. We bought one of the previous generation, which are fantastic. I really like it, but you can't really do zoom on an iPad. I mean, you technically you can, but it's a terrible experience and we needed something for him to use. So we just set up the surface pro seven and it works great for that purpose because all he's doing is getting on zoom getting into like a few of the things that they have to do online that, you know, the learning management system and stuff. And so it's, it's okay. But honestly, by the time you buy a surface pro seven with enough storage and Ram and a processor, that's decent enough, you need to at least get the I five or the I seven. You're actually pretty much paying for a MacBook air. You might as well just get a MacBook Right. Air. Yeah. I tried to use zoom for my daughter on her Chromebook. I mean, okay. I'm not going to defend Chromebooks in the same vein in the defense of Chromebooks. Like, it works okay for what they need to do for school. But for, um, they're going to school in person, so they don't have to do Zooms and stuff. It's horrible for Zoom. Like, my daughter was doing Zoom on, uh, during the summer for her dance classes. And I tried to put it on her Chromebook, and it just sucked. 
so we ended up putting her on my computer and like my big monitor in my office area so she could do her dance class because she had a horrible experience on her Chromebook but like she wants to use Google Drive if you're just using something like Google Drive and a basic web browser kids can get done what they need to on a on a Chromebook yeah and I think the problem with there are some relatively decent Chromebook, like the Google Pixel book is actually a pretty good Chromebook as far as Chromebooks are concerned, but it's like a thousand bucks, right? I mean, it's not a, most of the Chromebooks that schools are using because they have to buy 5,000 of them or whatever it is, are the $250 HP Chromebooks. And they're very underpowered because all they do is run Chrome, right? They don't run apps. And the, the viewing angle of the screen, I'll literally walk up to the desk where my kid is doing so. One of my kids is doing something and they'll ask me a question and I literally can't see anything on their screen unless I get right down oh. next to them and look at it the same because I'm standing and I'm they're asking me, what is that? And I'm like, I can't even see it because of the viewing angle. Uh. So the displays are terrible. The keyboard's yeah. bad. The trackpad's bad. The processor's bad. But you're right. For 250 bucks. I just, I make them sit next to me while they're doing it. And then I get frustrated and I'm just like, give it to me. Just give me the computer. <laughs> so we couldn't afford to buy four MacBook Airs. So we took the Chromebooks from the school. But at the same time, if they, we have one of them just stopped working, literally just stopped working, kept logging our daughter off in the middle of her classes and not just logging her off Zoom, logging her off the entire device. And the school district's like, yeah, swap, bring it in and we'll swap it out. I'm like, I have time for that. No, I do not have time to drive downtown to swap out a Chromebook. So we just, when we upgraded my wife's MacBook Air, we actually haven't gotten rid of her old one yet. And so we just are essentially using it as a Chromebook, right? It just works so much better. So she, she's using, we've given up on one of the Chromebooks. So anyway, um, yeah, so you had put down on our little list of things to chat about switching gears here, um, iOS 14. So you're, you had a, you've raised a techie who is very excited about iOS 14. That was so cool to hear her say that when ten years old comes in and she's like, "Hold on, I gotta go. I gotta go download iOS 14. I want to see what it does." <laughs> so did you put it on your device right away? Yeah, um, yeah. After the last time we talked, as soon as it was as it was out of beta, I didn't do the beta. I put it on my my phone, and I started to notice some little things here and there. Um, but I, overall, it seems faster and uh, and better. We can talk about certain features you like the most. Yeah. So, what do you tell me first? What do you like the best? Um, okay, so I'm a big texter because I'm like borderline millennial, <laughs> so. I would be full millennial. Okay, I'll be 36 next month. Uh, but so, but I had my kids young, so it kind of makes it, it changes my category into Gen X a little bit. But I like how on my text, it will take my, the top three people I'm texting and keep and pin them to the top. So I don't have to go search for that. I also really like how if I get a phone call, it doesn't blank out my whole screen. It just shows it up at the top and I can ignore that. Um, and it also has some good, it looks like it, and I haven't used these much yet, but it has some good optimizations for Siri. Uh, what do you like most about it? <laughs> so that's great. I, I was, the real reason I asked is because I, 
I've been using it since the beta, so since WWDC, and I, you kind of forget what is new when you've been. I mean, so that's been since I guess the end of June. So you forget it over a couple of months what features didn't exist before, right? So so for the last couple of months, you're right though. It is so much nicer that that when notifications drop down, especially the phone, it doesn't take over your entire device. I can answer it and keep doing whatever it is that I was already doing when the phone rings. Or you can just um, flick it off. You get like any notification, yeah. you can just flick and say, bye. <laughs> yeah, and I do like Siri. The I, I called it the non-invasive interfa- interface design. I don't know if that's, I, I don't know if that's what Apple calls it. Probably not, but that's what I called it is. And I think that it, it, it represents a shift because before when you would engage with Siri, literally your whole screen would go dark. Right. And so you'd have to deal with Siri. And then once you wanted to go back to doing something else, Siri would disappear. Right. But now it just shows up at the bottom and it'll answer your question and you can still. So why is that great? Because I could be reading an email and I can say, Siri, I'm not going to say it because all of these devices will light up add such and such to my calendar and I can keep reading the email. I, if I, I can't scroll anymore or else Siri will go away, but I could continue to engage with what's there while Siri is doing her thing. So I like that. And I, and I do like the messages features that you talked about, especially being able to ping conversations, but even better, they added threaded replies within group messages. So now it's, it's, it's kind of like messages they're trying to take on, some of the tools people use like Slack, where if if there's six people in a group message, you can actually thread a reply to something someone says, because otherwise someone says something, nine other messages come in, you decide to add your message. And there's no way of really correlating that with that person's original message. But now you can actually create a thread. You can also tag that person in, a, in your reply and you can set your notifications to only be notified in that group message when you get tagged right so just like in slack you can at my name or whatever you can do that in the in the group message i didn't know you could do that oh yeah okay so i'm not a huge fan of threaded messages just because like on slack sometimes i feel like i'll lose a message or okay if you slack me on the weekend i'm not gonna answer it i'm just not because but i'm gonna leave that little red dot there because I want to remember it. But sometimes when I open it, because I just want to clear those messages, and then on Monday morning, I'm like, I can't find this damn message, and I know I have something that I need to get to this person. So, but the whole tagging of things makes that a little bit different. Because I mean, sometimes people will tag you, like, I think Slack has a little bit of work to do on that. It's like, I feel like they, I would love if they have a section of um, DMs you haven't answered yet. Uh, because then I would know, okay, okay, these are the action items I had to follow up on, because Slack has a terrible search feature, because I'll try to, like, okay, I know what that person asked me a little bit about what they asked me, and I'll try to search for that, and it just won't show up. I'll have 14 pages of results. Uh, It's different. That's going to be a different experience in your iPhone, because I'm not getting as many text messages as I am Slack messages. Otherwise, I'm being way too much more social and not working enough (laughs) (laughs) right and when you you work for a company that uses slack as its primary that doesn't use phones for for literally anything i think the only people there who have phones 
at one point were people who worked in the New York City office and worked in like sales, right? <laughs> Business who had to Maybe. call yeah. call people. I think <laughs> that they might have had phones. Um, so I do think that even if it's purely for social purposes, Apple has really made some improvements that we've needed to see for quite a while to messages. So I do really like that. Um, I wrote I wrote two articles about this that I'll link in the show notes about my favorite things. And to, to be completely honest, the list is pretty similar in both articles. But the recent one I wrote was just about the best productivity features in iOS 14. Messages was definitely one of them. Um, the others that I've really like is the upgraded feature that allows your AirPods to automatically switch from one device to another. So that doesn't, everyone's like, you could, you could already do that. Well, not really. So you could obviously pair your AirPods to your iPhone and then it would automatically pair them to every other device that you had. So an iPad, whatever, but you still had to manually tap AirPods if you mm -hmm. wanted the sound from a device to go to that. Right. Now, we dealt however, with that the other day, yeah, trying yeah. to, 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 Yes. switch the airpods to marcus's phone so now though it doesn't work on a mac yet but on any ios device if you start if you're on a if you are let's say watching netflix on your ipad with your airpods and the phone rings on your you know someone calls you on your iphone and you answer it it will just automatically switch to the airpods okay and then when you're done it'll switch back to the ipad without you having to do anything mm, I like that. and if your netflix show ends and you decide to start a podcast on your iphone it'll then switch back to the iphone automatically without you having to do anything it just automatically knows hey you started a podcast you probably want to listen to it right why is that useful if you've ever had to switch between devices because you're doing a lot of things in, on different devices, you know how cumbersome it is to have to manually tap, wait for it to switch. Because the whole thing about the AirPods is that they're smarter and that they automatically pair and they do all that for you. But now they actually make that switch automatically. Nice. Personally, I like that a lot. So. I do. I, I like that too. And you just sent me a text of where you tagged me. So yep. this is so cool. But none of my friends are going to get that. They're going to be like, what did you do? Why do I click this? <laughs> Right. And and the one I just sent you is not super compelling because it's just a text thread between the two of us. So you, you can't right. really see it. I'm going to try in a group text later. That's today. a good idea. And I will tell you the interesting thing for me was that was one of the features I was most looking forward to trying when I was using the beta. But it was the one thing I couldn't because no one I knew was using iOS 14. Right. And so none of my family, they don't put beta software on their phones, right? So I, I had a, I had group messages that I had pinned to the top and I'd done all these things. But if I would have tagged people in it, I, I don't think it would have done anything. So uh, there are um, obviously some some bugs or user error issues, because like I saw a friend last week and he was like, I listened to your podcast and I tried to text you because as soon as I downloaded iOS 14, some of my texts aren't going through now. And then I tried to text you about how to fix it. But my text wouldn't go through. I'm like, well, send me a text right now. And it went through. And then I was like, well, it looks like this is only happening between you and other Android users. He's like, no, it's happening with everyone. I'm like, no, you're just old. <laughs> like, I'm looking at your text <laughs> right now. And I'm like, just restart your phone. Or 
Like, yeah, good, for, good for suggestion. First line of defense for anything, restart. Like we had um, Marcus's cousin over. He was like, none of your streaming apps are working. I unplugged the TV for two minutes, plugged it back in, and I was like, everything is fine. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I want to talk about widgets in a second. Okay. But before we talk about widgets, I want to run through just a couple of my other favorite things that they changed. So the app library is a big deal. Uh, Android has, like, for a long time had a app drawer where – you know, in iOS on an iPhone, all of the apps that you've downloaded onto your phone have to appear either in a folder or on the on the your home screen, and you might have twelve home screens if that's how many apps you have. Whereas on an Android device, all of your apps live in like an app drawer, and then you choose which ones mm-hmm. you want to put on your home screen. And I've always thought that that was a way better way of doing it, but Apple has never allowed that until now. You can download a device to your you can download an app to your device, but it doesn't have to appear on your on any of your home screens. You can just have it live in what's called the app library. So if you keep swiping over, once you get past your home screens, it pulls up the app library. And they're, they're grouped in a really weird way that I haven't quite figured out. Can you customize it? No. And that's the thing that's mm-hmm. really weird. Because when I look at it, it's it's strange to me that... The, for example, Domino's Pizza and... Hey, I have that app too. But and the Amazon app are in the same thing. Uh, They are both technically shopping, I guess. But there's some weird... I will say it does look like they've actually gotten a little bit better. They've added more categories. But for example, my Citibank app, my FedEx app, and my mail app are all... (laughs) All in the same grouping. And to me, those things are, one of them is finance, yeah. one of them is something you else. Probably, those are not yeah. the same. You probably just need to make folders like mine that we talked about last week. Well, <laughs> <laughs> true. But I I do like, though, that now I have, I have basically two home screens. And then I do have one, one home screen that ha- I'm using right now to test out widgets, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then I have everything else in the app library because if it's not, and the way I do it is I look at it and I'm like, when's the last time I opened that? If it's not in the last couple of days, forget it. I don't need it on a home screen. I really right. don't because I can either pull down and search for it. I can just get it out of the app. See, library, I pulled so. out and search all the time. And I yeah. also, I also have the thing where I offboards apps to save space after 30 days um, and it will reinstall them, which is kind of annoying when I have to reinstall them, but it also helps me know, okay, I don't use this app very much. So what if we wrap up with widgets? Okay. Does that work? So if we if we close out talking about widgets, my first question for you is have you have you added any widgets to your home screen? I have not. And oh. I was actually when you texted me about this, I was like, "Ooh, I need to know more about this because when I think of widgets, I'm thinking of like my old Microsoft something when I had like Felix the cat on my screen and he was a widget or I had like seen, you know, some weather widget or whatever. Um, once, once upon a time I had an Android that I really didn't like just to see, just to like give myself that experience. Uh, and I hated it. I hated having an Android. Uh, but so tell me about iPhone widgets. And this might be one of the things that iOS users have asked for the most, which is, okay, so widgets aren't new to iOS. It used to be that if you were looking at your home screen and you swiped across from the left, you'd get like this pullover and you could have widgets right, there. Yeah. Like you could look at your stocks or whatever, and they're, they're on, iP- on the iPad as well. But you could 
only access them in that drawer, right? The widget drawer. You couldn't have them on your screen. But with iOS 14, that's no longer the case. You can actually add widgets to your home screen. Now, during the beta, I didn't really give a rip about widgets because the only widgets that were available were Apple's widgets. So you could add a podcast one, but I didn't really want that on my home screen. You could add the weather, but I don't use the Apple weather app. I use Dark Sky. You could add reminders, and I like reminders, but I use things, right? Instead of so all the none of the apps that I use were actually didn't have widgets until they actually released iOS 14, and then developers could start to submit their widgets to be approved, and and so there are a lot more of them now. And I think that there, despite the fact that everyone wants to be able to change their home screen. I still have a problem with that because for whatever, 10 years now, right. <laughs> when you look at, when you look at your iPhone, it, it was, it, there was order to it. There's, this is a closed source operating system. And it, and it gives me a little bit of anxiety, but on my home screen now, so I've added the, you can't see that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. The spark widget to the top of my home screen with my calendar. And then it's actually a stack. And so the other one is my things list. So right at the top of my screen. How do you add one? I have, so when you when you long press on the home screen, yeah. you can edit oh, your home plus screen. button. Yep. And then when you go to the plus, it'll pull up all of the different options. And at the top are all the Apple ones. And then you can scroll through in any of the apps that you have. You can add a widget. So I use the, the Spark widget for my calendar. Ironically, I don't actually use Spark for my calendar. I use Fantastical, but I thought you said you used Spark because I tried Spark and I used. I use Spark I, for my email. Oh yeah, I tried Spark email. I didn't like it. And it has a <laughs> it has a calendar built in. So since all my accounts are already in there, it it populates my calendar for me. And so it's it's a it's a really nice widget. I really really like the widget. And then the things widget also I really like, so I use those. And I, but I do have a problem, and I'll get back to it in just a second. Um, I've been sort of testing on a separate page, like I was just telling you. Actually, I actually have two of these pages, other widgets to see how I feel about them. So there's actually a widget where Siri suggests apps for you. So okay. I've been using, I've been testing to see that. Although that creeps me out a little bit because now I have multiple apps showing up in two places, right? So I have them where I have them, and then I have them in this widget uh, right because it might say you should check twitter but i already have twitter somewhere on my screen and then it shows up here um i have the weather app um there's a there's actually one that's a spark another really nice spark one that is also your email and it shows you your e- inbox plus your next appointment i like that and then there's a google one which looks Ooh. really really nice but here's the thing the google oh, one is the, the perfect example of the problem with the widgets. If I tap on this widget to type something into the search bar, it doesn't let me type in the search bar. It just opens the app. Oh, what's the point? On Android, right, the Google search bar at the top of the device is a is an interactive element you can type into, mm-hmm. right? And it'll do different things based on what you type. If you type the name of the app, you could launch an app. If you type something, you could search for it on Google. If you type a contact's name, you could call them. All of those things are way more useful um, so like as an example, I'm showing Jess right now, this is that Samsung Galaxy Note. If I type that that Google search bar, it actually pulls up like it right. allows me to type into yeah. it, right? So, so the same, yeah. 
look at my phone. So I have Google down here because I Google things a lot. So well, what's the go. what's the what would be the reason for me to have this Google widget? Yeah, so basically no at, at this point, the widgets are just essentially shortcuts that take right. you into a certain part of an app. So on the, the widget you just showed me, which so there's multiple shapes and sizes of widgets. You can have a small, medium, and large. We'll just call it that for the sake of simplicity. You had the small Google one. The medium one actually has search bar, lens, voice, and incognito. So if I tapped on the lens it's automatically going to take me into the Google lens part of the app. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a, it is one less step, but my point is I, I should be able to interact with the widget with, with the widget. So if I wanted to tap something on the things widget, it should cross that to do off. It shouldn't just take mm -hmm. me into the app right. to that to do because that's two steps then. Right now I mean, it's just a shortcut, but I bet they'll change that. And I think they'll have it. They'll have an update. You know, every time they release a new update, they release a version two pretty quickly to address bugs or things people are saying. But I did add two widgets. I added weather, which I do think is relevant because if I if I just want to know the temperature, of course I could right. look at my watch and see. I always think it's funny how they disagree by like one degree. And I have my maps because and it thinks I'm going to go to this restaurant tonight because apparently I go there on Wednesdays a lot. <laughs> <laughs> nice but i just think I, I love the idea of widgets but i have feelings about them because they're they are it, i feel like apple is teasing us right now with the widgets they're saying mm -hmm. we'll give you this thing but it doesn't quite do the thing that you want it to do it feels you very still... yeah and it feels very androidy sure <laughs> but i will say that there are a few things we, we don't have time to get into today it's not the worst thing they could have pulled from Android. It, in fact, True. it's probably one of the features of Android that iOS has lacked for a long time. And if you look online, and on, especially on Twitter, people are sharing there. There's actually a lot more you can do. You can add, you can replace the icons of your apps. We, and so people are like creating some incredible home screens using, like there was one person who completely recreated the original icons of from iOS from when the iPhone first came out. So their their home screen looks like the original iPhone home screen. There are people who make it look like Windows 95. Like, it's great. You can, I think Apple entirely underestimated how much people would want to do this. Sure. The, the number one trending free app right now in the App Store is is an app called Widgetsmith. And all it does is allow you to create some customized widgets. And, and people are downloading it by in an insane amount because... This is something that iOS users clearly wanted to do. I just hope that this isn't where it stops because I think that widgets could be super useful. They would be to me if they would become interactive. Well, now so I'm gonna that, now I'm gonna do that, and it's going to impede my social life even more. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it's probably a all good right. Thing. So probably a good thing. So two things, two points of order. Um, the first one is that next week. We want to. We we definitely want to have a conversation about the bad side of productivity, what it leads to, the pursuit of it, and in terms of creating boundaries and stuff. But in the reason we're saving that for next week is, if you haven't already, you absolutely should subscribe because I've got a great interview next week with. Um, well, I'm not going to tell you who it's with. You have to come back. But somebody who definitely knows this space very well. It's it was it was an extremely fun interview. We've already recorded it. 
we're going to include it in our conversation next week and we're going to talk about boundaries and that kind of stuff. The second thing is you should also make sure to check out the interview I did with Brian Halligan, who is the CEO of HubSpot. Uh, it was a fun conversation. We published it kind of as an extra episode on Tuesday, but be sure if you missed that to go back and listen to it. Otherwise, any final thoughts, Jess? Um, no, I know you guys have been listening to us geek out, geek out about products a whole lot. And one of the main things we also want to do is talk about work-life balance and uh, work in working remotely. So hold on. We're going to get to that. We had planned to do that in this issue, but it's definitely coming next week. So subscribe and listen to that because we have some pretty cool thoughts about that since we've both worked in office environments, field environments, and remotely. So I think we Absolutely. have something that you can glean from there. And uh, if you have thoughts about any of these things, hit us up on social media. I'll add our links in the in the show notes so you can follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, and send us some feedback if you have some things. Otherwise, we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye, everyone.